impersonation as we get into the uh, Major League Baseball pennant race as we have uh, only a few weeks left before postseason and Major League Baseball kicks off but that's not what we're here to talk about today that's that's not it once my co-host with the most JT ATM money steps in the building uh, he and I are going to discuss and maybe debate uh, week three in the NFL. Week three in the NFL uh, began this past Thursday when the Brady-less, Garoppolo-less New England Patriots shut out, and and I mean shut out, a fully healthy, fully capable Texans team. Now, I, I I personally, I don't get how they did it. I saw it, but I can't believe it, especially knowing that the Texans were fully manned. There was no one injured or, or uh, in a bad way for the Texans. But somehow, the Texans still lost. We're going to discuss that, hopefully, when uh, JT comes. Oh, there he is right there. We, we want to discuss that first. But we're going to go over the entire, the entire NFL Week 3. But we have to start with that game. I mean, I am highly disappointed in his team. Quite sure JT is as well, but it's nothing like hearing from the man himself. JT ATM money. You're on the air. How are you doing tonight? Or today I should say. Um we're gonna be discussing uh Sunday's games and Mondays. Let's get to it. No, 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 no. Let's discuss Thursday's game first. That's past history. I'm not going there. Uh, <laughs> don't you dare. Don't you dare. We got to break it down. I'm not going we... there. Past history, Sunday and Monday. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now, now, listen. Let's, don't do that. 
Now, now who sounds like the Homer? Who sounds like the Homer now? I never said I wasn't. I never said I wasn't. I never denied that. Well, well I never now I, I just need to know. Played. The result has exactly. been in. It's exactly. time to and move we, on. No, 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 no. Because the past two weeks, we've talked about the Broncos-Carolina game, and then we talked about the Buffalo-Jet uh, game. You, you, you just, just cannot. No, 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 no. I did not. No, I did not. I talked about you talking about it, which you. Okay. 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 Be quiet. Let me finish. Let me, let me, let me talk. <laughs> oh, let now, me talk. now it's be quiet and let me talk. Now it's be quiet and let me talk. Go okay. ahead. Houston Go ahead. Visited New England. Houston visited New England, going up against a rookie quarterback who happens to be the third string quarterback. Uh, Houston visited. No, let me put it this way. Houston uh, did a lot, a lot of sightseeing in New England and not playing a <laughs> and not playing a football game. Didn't show up. The result was obvious, and now it's on to that are in line. I talked about it. You know, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I must apologize for my no co-host's lack lack of lack of enthusiasm or lack of insight on a game yeah. that you know he should be talking more about. Um, Why should but I his if, if his anybody, feelings his feelings anybody, are hurt. Anybody who watched the game, it it was all out there. There's nothing for me to explain because there's nothing to explain. That's exactly yeah, what I'm is. saying. It is, a, it is a lot to explain. And I'm, I'm about to tell you and show you how it's a lot it to explain. It didn't well, show up. It's not the it first time they haven't show shown up. Well, well, listen, it's not the first time they haven't shown up in New England. However, however, it was extremely evident um, in the fact that Houston was, ex- was healthy. There were no major uh, personnel that can. Okay, that, that's great. They didn't even well, make it a game. So, I, 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 that that is the part that bothers me. That's the it part bothers that bothers me, me. Bothers because me. You, know, you have no idea how much it bothers me. Because oh yeah, I do. Before they, yeah, I do. The way you're responding, the way you're responding tells me a lot. Before they scored their first touchdown, I was watching the game with my wife. And she can attest to this because this is exactly verbatim what I said. I got a bad feeling about this game. Before they even before New England, after they scored the field goal, and before they scored their next next touchdown, their first touchdown, I should say, I got a bad feeling about this game. I saw, I, I could see the, I wouldn't say the body language, but I could see the play calling which I totally disagree with, and the, I wouldn't say lack of effort, but um, not not be, really being into the game, in my, in my opinion, uh, on all three phases, uh, uh, all three phases, that I, I had a bad feeling. Before they even scored their first touchdown, I told my wife exactly what I told you. I got a bad feeling about this game. I don't like the way uh, that it, it's coming off. And I was proven right. I didn't think they were going to get shut out. But um, they deserve to get shut out. 
because of the fact uh, of the way they came out. Not to say that New England didn't play well, but the Texans, as I know them, did not show up. That's a fair assessment. That's a fair assessment. And that's part of the reason as to why I'm bringing it up. Um, you got a, a team in Bill Belichick that, uh, that the defense carried the day, but a third-string quarterback actually made a starting defense that's supposedly one of the best in the NFL look pedestrian at best. They didn't show up, you man. Know, they they I, didn't well, show up. They had, they had a good game plan. New England had a good game plan. But these are professional coaches on both sides of the field. You would think that either the offensive coordinator or the defensive coordinator would make adjustments in order to get their playmakers an opportunity to make a play. And they didn't. And they well, didn't. And I, I know. Was, Disappointment, man. I mean, it. it, it they were. Ugh, I hate to go into this, but I have to go into this. They were totally, totally too conservative in that game. Scared to death to to, to try to try to do something different that New England wouldn't expect. I mean, it, they were too predictable. Way too predictable. Way way well, too. I don't know. I kind of doubt they were trying to protect the quarterback. They just were way too predictable. There were that, some and shots. that was a bottom line. I'll say that this. Um, I noticed when I was watching the game um, that they took the underneath approach because they were playing uh, – New England was playing um, a cover two deep zone, um, but not a cover two in the sense of uh, the cornerback staying uh, five to ten yards – off the ball in the sense that you had two deep safeties um, and there was very, very little passing room, but they continued to pass. Uh, they did not run the ball at all. Well, they ran it, but it wasn't effective. And that's the thing that's killing me with this game that there are opportunities for Lamar Miller to run and, and, make something happen it, it just never materialized and then when he uh when the quarterback Osweiler tried to take the ball downfield he couldn't because there was double bracketing the the receivers there was really no tight end uh help either unless it was like five yards off the ball so there was no exposing the middle of the field by anybody for for the Texans from what I saw. Um, but again, New England rarely blitzed. They rarely blitzed. They sent maybe four or five people. But five on five, that's man to man blocking. You know, four on five, you shouldn't be getting sacked or touched. But the problem is they couldn't find a way to um, get the ball out to the right person and make a play. Is that that the fault of the quarterback, or is that the fault of the play caller? It could be both. It could be both. It could be that the design of the play is like long, medium, short. Each play should, each pass play should be long, medium, short. You should have that, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. 
And Osweiler consistently took the short route as opposed to the medium. The mediums are going to be your in the middle of the field shots. You know, the he kept going downfield to um Hopkins, um, even when he couldn't at some some points. Um but for the most part, there were a lot of check downs to the to the very short person. Um Huh. Was that his fault, or was it just what the uh, what the defense gave him? Uh, I didn't see the end zone footage. Uh, when you're a coordinator, or if you're looking at football from a non-fan perspective, you definitely need to see the end zone view because the end zone view shows you who's open, who's blocking, who's not blocking who's not open, and it gives you the the vision of the quarterback. And for the most part, you can then uh, say, well, you know what? Maybe he should have took the ball here. Maybe he should have took the ball there, you know? And the most crazy thing about this, in my opinion, about this game, was that Gronkowski didn't even get a ball thrown to him. Not one. He got a couple of balls. Well, he. But the fact that none of those weapons were actually used, and Legarrette Blunt had two touchdowns, but like forty yards, forty fifty yards, I think he had. Um. So this was a defensive game, in the sense that, uh, both defenses showed up. It's just the Texans' offense failed to produce um now again you ask the question is that the fault of the quarterback or the play caller and i'm saying it's a little bit of both because if you decide to take the ball deep all the time and you're going to go to hopkins all the time and that everybody in the stadium knows that's your go-to guy um it's pretty easy to, to double team him and make somebody else beat you Fuller, I think Fuller had maybe, what, two passes, two or three passes. Okay, so the other wide receiver is pretty much gone. Who's left to give the ball to? The tight end, the the third receiver, and the running back. Well, he chose running back and or the short tight end uh, routes over any of them. Now, I don't know. If, if you know, that that was by design or that was by choice. But it surely made it easier for the Patriots to play uh, zone defense. He looked, I'm going to tell you the truth. Brock Osweiler looked like Kirk Cousins Thursday night. He really did. And I was like, whoa, where's the ball going? Um. Why isn't it going here? Why isn't it going there? And why isn't Lamar Miller getting 20 touches? Because the game was close for a little while. It was close. You still can run the ball, but neither here nor there. Uh, This upcoming Thursday, it's supposed to be. uh, Well, we'll get to that game. We'll get to that game. But let's start off with um, an interesting game that actually 
I'm predicting is going to cost somebody a job. And we're only week three in the NFL. Talking about the Cardinals and the Bills. Now, two weeks into the season, Rex Ryan had to fire somebody, anybody. He chose to fire Greg Roman. The consensus is that was the wrong person to fire. If Buffalo at home, at home, loses to Arizona, is it Rob or Rex that's gone next? Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, ladies and gentlemen, that people are now starting to say what Jerry has been saying for the past couple uh, months, that the luster of Rex Ryan is going away. Uh, There are people questioning his rah-rah mentality as far as the cursing and the yelling and stuff like that. Some people, Marshall Folk is one of them, said that, you know, that he doesn't need that type of of, uh, speech to get him ready to play a game. Some players do. You know, some players do. But does Buffalo need that? Does Buffalo need that? I, I Apparently, they need something. Apparently, they need something. And it is not uh, working. Shady McCoy, he's not getting the, the ball uh, in most places. I think that um, Rex wants to get Sammy Watkins more involved. But at the same time, you know, the defense has got to stop somebody. I don't think this is a good week to say we're going to stop somebody when Larry Fitzgerald, Carson Palmer, Mr. Johnson, and the rest of these guys are coming to town. I actually think that Buffalo is going to be desperate. And if Buffalo is desperate, that means I'm getting ready for trick plays. I'm getting ready for fourth and 20s. You know, and stuff like that if I'm the Cardinals. That's just the way I'm looking at it. JT, you know Rex Ryan better than me. What's what's about to happen with this Cardinals game? And what are your predictions I, for a win or loss in this game? I tried to tell you. I tried. I've been, I've, I've been barking this for the longest. For the <laughs> longest. And you discounted it when I told you he's going to be on a hot seat. And and what have people been barking ever since the beginning of the season? I guess really beginning of the season saying he's on a hot seat. He's got to prove himself. And um, and I've been saying it. If you break it down and look at this, like Vic reiterated, and like I've been saying for the last three months at least, if not longer, his defense it, 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 they caught up to him. They've caught up to Rex Ryan and the Ryan uh, scheme and defenses. Uh, Rob Ryan hasn't had a decent showing of his defense in um, God knows how long, and neither has Rex from New York, from one New York team to another. Um, 
I see Carson Palmer and, and company coming in here, and with an aerial attack um, that, quite naturally, we know that Buffalo can't stop because they haven't stopped it in, uh, last year, and the first two games of the season they haven't stopped it. And with an aerial attack, I should say it's aerial attack, with a balanced attack and with a, 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 a decent defense that Arizona has, with a banged-up wide receiver that uh, the Buffalo Bills have in Sammy Watkins, um, dealing with pain from week to week, I have no reason not to believe that Arizona comes in here and hands it to Buffalo. And Rex Ryan is one step closer to being pushed out of the back, I mean, pushed out of the front door in Buffalo. Um, You're right. They're probably going to play desperate. They're probably, you know, I wouldn't say this is the last stand, but they're going to be close to the last stand. So they're going to play desperate. He's going to try to get his team to, to really ball out. One redeeming factor that a lot of people are looking at, and I'm going to talk about it tomorrow because I think uh, p- some people are um, losing it in the wash. Anthony Lynn. Remember that name. Because now he's the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, taking the place of Greg Norman. He happens to be, before he got promoted, the running backs coach of the Buffalo Bills. So, people, I'm giving you a nugget here today versus tomorrow. The best player they have on the team is LaShawn McCoy. He's going to try to get Sean McCoy more touches. Now, if you watched the game last that Buffalo played, Tyrell Taylor was looking downfield a lot of the time. When if he went to the flat, um, he had Sean McCoy in the flat with a bunch of space in front of him to make a play. I'm telling you right now, I'd be extremely surprised if the type of touches – LaShawn McCoy got in the first two games doesn't go up by 50% in this game. And he's going to be featured more uh, than Sammy Watkins because you got to hobble Sammy Watkins and you got two other guys in, in uh, Greg Salas and uh, uh, Marquise um, Goodwin, who's got a lot of speed, that are going to have problems getting open in that secondary. In um, of Arizona, so Charles Clay, um, LaShawn McCoy. Hope you're ready because the first two games were a tune-up. I think you're going to be used quite a bit in this game, but I like Arizona to win this game. I agree with you on on those points, JT. Um, the only difference is that I think. Uh, Charles Clay has been used quite a bit and um, he's an established weapon. Uh, Greg Roman is a guy that likes to put the ball down the field, but he also likes to have, as I said, the three levels, long, medium, short. Now here's the difference Mm -hmm. in quarterbacking and and offensive coordinating. Um, If you're the coordinator that likes to push the ball down the field, you're going to say, your first read is a deep ball. 
That's that's what you're going to say. And I think that's what it was with Tyrod Taylor um, and uh, Greg Roman, that he went deep, medium, short. And nine times out mm-hmm. of ten, he's Tyrod Taylor went deep. Yep. Now, he would go medium yep. because cause Clay – Clay has, uh, I think, around uh, eight or nine receptions in the first two games, and he's done decently. But um, me, I tell my guy, get me the first down. If the if the shot is there, take it, but give me the first down. My guy, my quarterback, where where I coach, he has a cannon of an arm, and that was my mistake, falling in love with the cannon yep. that he has. Yep. And I, the first couple games, yeah, yeah, yeah. The first couple games, I was calling deep shots mm-hmm. because they're there. They're there. But his arm is so strong that he will overshoot a guy or that mm-hmm. um, when we would complete it, it would get called back because of a holding call. Because when you take a deep shot, you need to hold the ball a little longer sure you do. than – necessary Mm -hmm. so i had to change my philosophy up and you know i tell him look i'm not even going to give you the option of taking a deep shot not going to do it i'm going to get you to get the ball out of your hands after three steps you get this you get the snap either from the shotgun or from under center one two three bang you know so the philosophy shift is what you're talking about with the new coordinator in Buffalo. Will mm-hmm. it pay dividends? I don't know. Will it be the uh, the beginning of the end for, for Rex this week? I think they're going to lose, but I also think they're going to play so desperately that it's going to show. And the commentators are going to be like, well, uh, Rex might be next, da-da-da-da-da, yada-yada-yada. So that'll be an interesting game. But let's move on. Let me let me let me ask you something. Go ahead. One, 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 um, if you constantly over a period of time during a game, and then uh, occasionally you do it, um, take short, medium, short, medium, short, medium. You after a while you're going to draw the safeties up. Am I right about that? Correct. And then once you do that, then you have a good shot to take the deep ball versus trying to take the beat ball over and over again and, and discounting medium short. Am I right about that? That is correct. Okay. Because well, the, 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 the mindset is the mindset is, okay, you're going to keep giving me five, six yards. I'm going to keep taking mm-hmm. five and six yards because they get first downs. And then sure, when you think, when you think I'm going to go short, I'm then going to go long because you left me man to man on the mm-hmm. uh, deep ball or, or we do a, 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 a pump and go. Whereas you bite on the, on the uh, curl. And then my sure. guy takes off because you're like, okay, well they're going to go short. They're going to go short. So, yeah, I mean, it works out. It, it's, it's designed to set up for the long ball as opposed to the long right. ball setting up the short ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I think you're right. Let's move on. Okay, now to a game that prior to an injury 
looked to be a very, very, very interesting game. We've got Minnesota going to Carolina. Now, uh, Ronnie Hillman was picked up by the uh, Minnesota Vikings. AP looks like he's going to be, they say one week or several months. Now, I know the dude, I know AP is a monster of an athlete, but you either go one week or several months, depending on whether you need surgery or not. Um, He's going to be out three to four months. Okay, three to four months. So he's done for the season. He's done well, this way. Possibility he may come back sometime if things go right sometime in December, but there's no guarantee of that. Yeah, there's no guarantee. And um, I don't know if I want him to come back in December if things don't work out the way that they should. Um, and I say this because Matt Asiata, Jarek McKinnon, and Ronnie Hillman are your backs now. You got the big arm in Sam Bradford. And as I told you guys, when Bradford got in, Stefan Diggs was going to have a field day. Kyle Rudolph would get the ball more. And that's what's going on. Now, unfortunately, that they're going to be targets now because there is no threat of a strong run game. Stephon Diggs, okay, well, he's going to have to be double coverage now because it's not as long going to be seven in the box. No longer will there be seven in the box to to uh, stop the run because the threat of AP is no longer there. Now, get it. I mean, I understand that AP has not been that dominant of a back the past year and some change, but it's the threat of AP getting the ball which helps Minnesota. Um, uh, Kelvin Benjamin, that dude's on track to to get uh, high, high double-digit touchdowns the way that Cam Newton is targeting him. Um, after the shellacking they gave the 49ers, you know, uh, I'm not saying that uh, uh, – uh, Carolina is going to be world beaters, but the way that uh, they're approaching the game, and Jonathan Stewart is not going to play. Stewart's out, so Fozzie Whitaker, uh, Artis Payne, maybe even Mike Tolbert are going to have to tote the rock. But that means that Cam Newton is going to also be looking heavily to Kelvin Benjamin and Greg Olson. Even Devin Funches a little bit. But here's the thing, though, everyone. Minnesota has a very good defense. A very good defense. This could be an upset. It could be, but I'm not banking on it. The reason why I'm not banking on it is because Luke Coochley or Keekley and company are um, – pretty daggone good themselves. And Bradford is not going to deal with that pressure uh, too well that I'm thinking, at least from the front four, just the front four of the Panthers. 
will it will this be a slobber knocker? Probably not. Probably not. But I do think that uh your boy is going to be in the end zone again. Your boy I'm referring to is Kelvin Benjamin. Um I think Cam might even run one or two uh, uh, touchdowns in. Now, here's the deal. Before we let Jerry get into his breakdown, I have to explain why uh, or I have to explain a little bit outside of football as to why Cam needs to score a couple times. Last week when they played, I'm talking about the Panthers, when they played the 49ers, there were several screenshots taken of the encounter between Cam Newton and Kaepernick. Reportedly, reportedly, um, Cam said some things in regards to Kaepernick's uh, protests that weren't received very well. And Kaepernick gave a look as in, really, dude? without using the word dude. And it came out this week that the um, Panthers hired a conservative uh, consultant to help Cam discuss the social topics. Um, now, I'm not knocking Cam for you know listening to the consultant because that's what the dude is getting paid to do. I'm not knocking Cam for taking a stance that he's taken. But a lot of people will, and a lot of people are. And a lot of people are going to be looking at what he does and how he carries himself during this game because of what's going on in Charlotte, North Carolina right now. A lot of the players have already, even Greg Olson, have talked about the discrepancies in what's going on down there in, in Charlotte and around the country. But Cam is the only one that I've heard from that Carolina uh, group saying stuff such as, you know, um, it's, and in and, 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 and truth, in truth, before I even say this, in part what he's saying is true. It is true, but it deflects from the actual issue. Okay, where he's saying where he's saying that, uh, you know, black men need to be more in uh, involved with the family and stuff like that. It is true. However, that's not the issue. The issue is the treatment. That others have gotten. You know, black on black crime, gotcha. I understand. We we all understand it, it, it's a problem. We all got that. Everybody can agree with that. But white, on white crime, Asian yeah. on Asian, Hispanic on Hispanic crime. Come on, man. Give me a break. That's yep. that's reflecting from the real issue. Come on. Correct. And and that that's my point. That's my point when I'm saying that he's getting looked at, at least from a lot of the um the black community. Okay, you're saying this, he's but buying, you're not buying into that. He's buying into that. Come on, and stop. Yes. Now I'm not going to get the dude on his political beliefs. That's not my lane, um, or that's not his lane. 
So I don't expect mm-hmm. him to be, you know, completely politically correct or whatever. But a couple of people have said, and I think it was Eric Davis of NFL Network said something on the lines of, you know, not everybody needs to talk about the plight of what's going on because not everybody is is understanding it or helping the cause. Um, now, his feelings are his feelings. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying a consultant told him how to feel or everything to say, but <laughs> but Wait it, it, it's it's evident. And in this in this Stop. game, Stop. Minnesota's Stop. Gonna, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Stop. I am, I am. Stop. I'm about to turn it over to you. I'm gonna turn it over to you in a second. Thank you. In a second. Thank you. But Minnesota is coming to Carolina. Mm-hmm. Right. They're coming to Carolina during the height of all this protest mm-hmm. to the point where the NFL is saying if things don't get better, they might have to cancel the game or reschedule the game. I guarantee you there will be protests outside of that stadium. Will those protests go? I don't know. But it will be mm-hmm. brought up within the framework of the game. That's the only reason why I'm bringing it up during our analysis of this game, because it's going to definitely be a part of it. Definitely be a part of it. Go ahead, JT. I didn't know about this conservative consultant that you, you told me that, they, that the team provided Cam. I got a problem with that. The same way I had a problem, and you, I think you brought it up also, with the owner of the um, Carolina Panthers who when Cam was drafted, and I, I can't say it verbatim, but it had to do with whether he was going to wear or have dreadlocks. Tattoos. Tattoos. Okay, tattoos. Okay, tattoos. Like, he, he, he's the, and I'll put it like this, because I feel, because that's the way I, I feel, like he's a slave owner. He can tell what he can and can't put on his body. And this is the same owner. I got a problem with him providing a conservative consultant to to help Cam navigate his way, more or less control his speech. That's basically what it is. Control your speech. This is what what we need you to say. This is what you're going to say. Versus Cam having his own voice. You follow what I'm saying? That's the plantation type of uh, mindset that I'm seeing here. Oh, man, well, I, I, unbelievable. Well, unbelievable. Well, let me tell you. And, and let me tell you. Victor, women, before I go, before you finish. Okay. I'm not sure. I saw a video uh, on on Facebook about the guy that got shot in North Carolina. I think it's North Carolina. And, and I think it's North Carolina. It could be somewhere else of a, a police planting a gun on the ground next to the guy. And, that's and the guy. I didn't get that, a, that, that's the same one. That's the same one. If you look at the video, because I looked at the video more than once, it got dropped from a cop next to the, next to the victim, got picked up, and another uh, weapon got dropped. In the, in the same vicinity, 
And you can see clearly on, well, I think it was on CNN or whatever, uh, before that footage, there was no no gun on on the ground next to the next to the victim, and then twice um, a different gun was placed on um, not placed but dropped next to the victim. I mean, you know, people, certain people, certain segments of the society see what they want to see, and, and to to satisfy their mindset, their thoughts. And it's a damn shame that the victim has to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt, and they have to be exactly perfect in response to a police. Can't can't waver because that's a little that little wiggle room is give those who have um, alternative uh, um, um, thoughts, motives, an excuse, motive, an excuse. So if you're not perfect in compliance. There's the reason why you got shot. If you're not perfect, if you're not, if you're, if you're more than human, you have to be a robot to be in compliance, basically. Otherwise, if you have one little thing out of place, certain segments of the society are going to pick on that and say, see, that's the reason why you got shot. Where you yeah. can have, and, and, and this is a damn shame, the guy, and I'll just say this, if you ever watched uh, Sterling Sharp and, and, and Skip Bayless on the program. Sterling Sharp, uh, and Shannon, I think I put Shannon, it on. I'm saying Sterling Shannon Sharp. Sharp. I think I put it on Facebook. I shared it with a lot of people on on, on Facebook. And, and one of the things Shannon Sharp said, which was um, uh, uh, right on point, a guy stabbed a few people, killed them, stabbed another person, was eating their face, and the police. Arrested him. Didn't shoot him. He's wielding a knife in threat of whoever was around him. Wielding a knife, and they arrested him. The guy who who shot those uh, seven or eight people in the church, that uh, young white guy. Um, they arrested him, and before they took him to jail, they stopped off at Burger King because he was hungry. Are you kidding me? Are you? Kidding me, and and then you expect people to be calm, to be in compliance, to 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 uh, uh, shuck and jive, so to speak, and, and not be upset about that. But if it was somebody from the uh, majority, son or daughter, getting the same treatment, things would change exponentially, exponentially, without a shadow of a doubt. And I truly believe that people are, are see what they want to see. And believe what they want to believe, because if it's the way it's always been, that's the way it's always been. And and if it's not affecting you, and it's, it's affecting them, or they are aren't equivalent to me uh, as a human being, a lot of people still see that as the minorities are not equivalent or equal to anyone under the law, or period in society. So a lost life. If it's a minority, is no big deal compared to a lost life if you're white. Sorry, but I had to say that. Okay. Well, the bottom line is that there are some issues going on, and the video that you're referring to is the it's the video that the wife took with her cell phone uh, yep. because North Carolina will not release the cat the, the dash cam. Now, yep. this is also. 
this is also uh, a law that's been put in place by the governor that takes effect in October. Yes, it takes effect in October, but about right after, literally a week after the Alton Sterling case, the governor of North Carolina signed a law into, into place saying that no dash cam or body cam video will be released to the public. <laughs> that he signed it into law. Come on, and man. it goes into effect. It goes into effect in October. And what is said to be uh, happening is the law enforcement are trying to stall releasing that video until the law actually takes effect. This is why the wife went directly to CNN and Rachel Maddow's to release her video of what took mm-hmm. place. You know, now, this, is a, this is a damn shame, man. I, I mean, I can't believe this is 2016. 2016. 2016. We well, just, we just well, were able to get decent rights to 68. So people are talking about the one or 200 years. No, it's not. It's, it's less than 100, less than 75 years to be exact. Just well, think about that. I, no, trust me. I, I know. I know. Because I, I think about it all the time. Because the mindset of people, um, those people that are less than 75 years old, they're still around that have the mindset of what it was like. It's actually 60-something years because my mom is, she was born in 56. Mm-hmm. So, and she's 60. Yeah, your mom's younger than I am. I'm born in 54, man. Yeah, come on, man. You have people you have no idea. So the point, the point is that there's, Cam Newton's going to be under a microscope along with the rest of the Carolina Panthers in this game. And I believe, I believe Carolina is going to win it, but Cam is going to have to show off in order to um, kind of take the, the, the sting out of what's going on in Charlotte away for the time being. Will he get asked questions about what's going on after the game? You better believe it. Will he get asked about them? Even more if they lose, oh, I know that's going to happen. And we'll see how his training has, has progressed as far as answering questions when under yeah, duress. You, you step up, man. Come on. You step up. You know what the deal is. You, you, you're trying to protect your, your, your brand. I can understand that to a certain point, but still all in all, you have a responsibility. We'll you have a responsibility as – being a person of a certain uh, race to uh, when you see guys putting themselves out on the line there um, and not worrying about uh, losing endorsements or, or, or your brand being tarnished a little bit. But what is actually going on, you can't turn a blind eye to it. You can't be uh, uh, um, uh, strat- straddling the fence because Straddling the fence, you lose your street cred. Plain and simple. You lose your respect, plain and simple. People can see right through that. People can see right through that, including your fans. They can see right through that. The respect thing, uh, yes. 
I think that's more so than his street cred. Because what will happen is you'll have people who aren't black that are stepping up and being more uh, accountable for what's going on in the community than he is. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, we'll, we'll find out Sunday when they play at a 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Let's go on to another game that um, I think is going to be a very good game. I think the Denver-Cincinnati game is going to be a very good game. Now, I'm, I'm calling for Cincinnati to win this game. Uh, one, I know their defense has not been the best, but it's pretty good. Two, the offense, they're throwing the ball a lot more since Hugh was gone. And A.J. Green has stepped up and so far and looked like a number one fantasy player uh, that he should have been, even with Hugh. And at the same time, um, Giovanni Bernard is getting involved more. You don't hear so much from Mr. Uh, uh, Hill. He's not getting that, that type of love. But I think Mr. Simeon, who is not pushing the ball down the field as much as I thought he would, um, cannot win this game for Denver. The defense is going to have to win it for Denver. But I just don't think playing in Cincinnati – that Denver is going to pull out the W. Um, I, honestly, I think A.J. Green is, and uh, Talib are going to have a, a back-and-forth battle. Both are going to have their points in this matchup. Um, Gio, Giovanni, um, Bernard is going to have to have a game coming out the backfield because uh, Gino, Atkins, and the rest of those guys are going to be pressing the pocket. They're going to be pressing the pocket, and it's going to be tough sledding uh, for anybody going in between the the, um, the tackles. So, I and and to be honest, Devontae Booker, um, the backup running back for for Denver, you know he's getting more confidence and stuff like that. But he's the same version of C.J. Anderson. Same exact carbon copy, you know, except younger. What does that mean? That means that what you're getting is is a guy that is uh, that's going to pound the ball. He's not going to catch it that much out the backfield, but he's going to just slam the ball down your throat. How does that help uh, Denver? Well, they're going to chew clock. They're going to chew clock, but are they going to be effective enough to uh, to beat Cincinnati? And I don't think so. Trevor Simeon, he has not, in my opinion, pushed the ball down the field enough. Whereas Demarius Thomas, uh, Sanders, or anybody else in the receiving core are looked at as what they really are—big threats. You know, that, that's just my opinion. That's just my opinion. Um, but we'll see. JT, your thoughts on this game? Cincinnati hosting Denver. Well, Denver is number one in preventing fantasy points against the wide, wide receiver. Cincinnati's number eight. So what's that telling you, people? 
What's, what am I telling you? I'm telling you the passing game is going to suffer because the two, the two defenses are, are, are strong against the passing game versus uh, against the running game. C.J. Anderson, Jeremy Hill, they're going to try to run the football. Um, Andy Dalton is not going to have a good passing day. Trevor Simeon, um, really not going to have a good passing day. Um, hard fought, defensive-minded type of game. Played in Cincinnati. Last time these two teams played, um, it was in Denver, and Denver won the game 20-17. Um, I see a similar type of game, uh, just the venue changes. And I like, I do like because of the defense. I think they're a better defense, quite naturally. And I think they uh, will um, uh, put the uh, Denver offense in a much, much better situation to score points versus Cincinnati's defense, given uh, um, opportunities for um, Cincinnati's offense. Um, so I like that. All right, let's move on. Detroit goes to Green Bay. Um, now the big thing here is Amir Abdullah is on the IR list. He's had a pretty, yeah, he had a pretty good first couple games and now his foot has uh, caused him to land on the IR. He's going to be out at least eight weeks. That means Theo Riddick is the backup, I mean, is the starting halfback, along with a rookie coming in after him. Um, Now, Theo Riddick isn't a slouch, but he's also not a grinder. That tells me there's going to be more passing involved in in Detroit's attack. Um, Anquan Bolton. Yeah, but there's the running game isn't going to be as crisp or as uh, effective as it was when Amir Abdullah was in the game, mainly because Abdullah, he actually could run people over and run away from them. Theo Riddick is not going to run you over. He, he's, he's not built that way, but we'll see. Now, Green Bay, they have not looked that good the first couple games. Eddie Lacy, I, I, I don't know. He lost the weight. He's still not that effective. I know it's only week three, but the running game is not there for Green Bay either, for whatever reason. Um, I'm not sure how Green Bay is going to react in this game. Detroit has put up points the first couple weeks. They're one and one. I believe they just lost to Tennessee uh, in a tough game. Uh, but I, I got to pick Green Bay only because Green Bay is at home. Now, uh, this used to be a very good rivalry-type game, Um, but I'm not sure about this week. I'm not sure. I'm only picking Green Bay because they're at home, and I I actually set Aaron Rodgers last week, which was the right thing to do, in favor of um, um, David Carr and a couple other quarterbacks because he has not been that consistent uh, as of the past couple years. I think he's going to get himself – you know, back on track this week, but not by leaps and bounds that everybody in fantasy world hopes. But I do have Green Bay winning this game. Go ahead, JT. Well, Passers game. I tell you that right now. Passers game. Uh, one 
one team, the Green Bay Packers, their running back is uh, don't know what you're going to get uh, and uh, can't really count on them. And the other one, they lost their main back and using their uh, change of pace uh, and PPR back in theoretic uh, with a little sprinkle of Dwayne Washington um, in uh, Detroit. It's going to be a passing game. And who better to uh, be in a passing game than Matthew Stafford, who uh, is uh, running that um, offense in Detroit and quite naturally Aaron Rodgers. Um, getting to specific players and what I think they're going to do, tune in tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Break down every game and every relevant uh, fantasy position as well as waiver wire pickups, sleepers, uh, studs and duds, and all that. But I like Green Bay in this game. I knew you were going to throw in the master plan plug. I knew it. I, I just smelt it coming. Baltimore at Jacksonville. Come on, man. I know you did. I, hey, listen, I didn't knock it. I didn't knock it. Baltimore mm-hmm. goes to Jacksonville. Now, last week, Jacksonville looked like the old Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't know oh, what man. happened. They, but they look like the old Jacksonville Jaguars. I this week, you. well, this week, Young I think, yeah. I think this week they're going to show why a lot of people predicted, including myself, that they would be um, contenders for the South this year. Baltimore's going to go down to Jacksonville. Baltimore has not had a running game. They have not had a running game. Uh, it's going to hurt them when they go down to Jacksonville. Uh, Terrence West, Justin Forsett, whoever it is is going to run the ball for, for Baltimore. It's not going to happen. And Joe Flacco and Mike Wallace had a down connection for the past couple weeks. I don't think that's going to happen this week either. Um, it, now, I might be slightly off on this one. I see Jacksonville almost, if not doing, a goose egg on Baltimore. Ah. That's right. That's ah. what I said. I see Jacksonville because I think Jacksonville actually has that good of a defense and will be playing great at home because Baltimore has not been impressive at all. At all. They've won but it's been because of this and that, not because of um, a dominating side of the ball. Um, and I really think that Jacksonville's receivers are extremely head and shoulders above Baltimore secondary. I really think yeah. so. I think Chris Ivory is going to get a chance to, to do some damage along with TJ Yeldon. But uh, I think Jacksonville just might blank them, just might, or it's going to be, they're not going to get over ten points. I, I, I can I can I'll safely say that that Baltimore will not get over ten points. So I'm picking mm-hmm. Jacksonville. All right, people. Uh, if you listen to the master plan. One of the guys I told you that were replacement, and I, I think the 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 the, the uh, tight ends that I gave you last week 
all of the tight ends I gave you last week came through for you. It came through for you. Uh, and uh, this is one of them. He's back. Dennis Pitta. Uh, he's back as Joe Flacco's favorite target. Um, and he's going to be his favorite target in this game. Um, Jacksonville's playing at home. Yes, they have a better better defense on paper. Let me put it that way. I'll emphasize that on paper because they haven't proven it up until this point. But it's on paper that they supposedly have a better defense and a better team. Prove it to me because I, I still am very skeptical of Blake Bortles and a whole Jacksonville team. Not just because they're in the AFC South. I've been skeptical of them, and 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 if, and if uh, you've been listening to me, I, I don't believe until I see that they have some market improvement, and the first two games haven't proven me wrong. Be that that being said, I still think they win this game because they beat Baltimore and Baltimore by two points last year, and then now they're playing home. Um, these young guys with another uh, um, year under their belt, you expect them to play better. Uh, I think Baltimore is gaining confidence in what they have and how to use the weapons that they have. Um, but I don't think they, they'll be able to beat Jacksonville in Jacksonville this, this week. Well, let's move on to a game that uh, I really don't think we need to cover, but I'm going to talk about it real quick, and that's Cleveland going to Miami. Cleveland's on their number three quarterback, the rookie, uh, because both McCown and RG3 are on the shelf. Now, Carson Wentz or Goff could have been in Cleveland, but that's not what happened. Now, the rookie is going to face the, the Miami Dolphins and that crazy defense of Miami's. All I'm going to tell you is bet Miami big on this one. JT? Miami. I'm not even going to go any further than that. Just bet Miami. I think Miami going to win this easy. Yeah, so do I. Um, now to a game of interest for me. Uh, the Skins take on the Giants. Now, the Giants' defense has stepped up as of late. Uh, I know it's only two games in, but they've looked pretty good. Uh, offense, not that impressive. But the one thing that I'm waiting on and a lot of people are waiting on is, is the explosion by Odell Beckham. He's been relatively silent the past two games. It's been Victor Cruz and the rookie Shepard who have scored the touchdowns from the receivers. They're, the media is making a big deal about Josh Norman versus Odell. Well, for whatever reason, the Redskins secondary coach and defensive coordinator will not do this. He will not put Josh Norman on the best receiver. Instead, he's going to play his side of the field, and uh, quarterbacks are staying away from him. They they just are. So that means Bashar Breeland has another daunting task. If it's not Victor Cruz, if it's not Shepard, then it's Odell Beckham. And he has not done well in the first two weeks. Even though Breeland 
his rookie season looked like a world beater. Looked like a world beater. Um, it's in New York. Even though I, my heart's telling me uh, that the Giants are going to win, for some reason, I think the Redskins are going to win this game. Um, I think Matt Jones is finally going to show up. Honestly, that's what I think. Uh, will it happen? I don't know. But I'm going to pick my skins over the Giants. JT, go ahead. Just like the last game, I didn't have too much to say. I don't have too much to say this. I like the Giants. Oakland goes to Tennessee. Now, this is going to be a very good game. Very good game. Uh, Oakland, they're finding ways to win. I know they lost their last game, but they look more complete than they have in the past. Tennessee. Tennessee actually looks like they're an NFL team again. Um, now, a person that has not been talked about a lot in this uh, on this team, Tennessee's team, is Delaney Walker. I honestly think that in this game, Delaney Walker is going to have a really big impact. Um, now, the Raiders' defense is much improved. But in the fourth quarter, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, in the fourth quarter, they start to wilt. Um, they're in Tennessee. They're going from West Coast to uh, East Coast. Um, I don't think that's going to affect them. Well, it is a, a one a.m. I mean, a one p.m. game, so that's like ten a.m. their time. It might affect them a little bit, but I'm still going to pick Oakland to win this game. Go ahead, JT. The Raiders defense is worse this year and has averaged giving up 412 passing yards and at least three touchdowns every week. That sounds familiar like the New Orleans Saints versus this much daunted, much ballyhooed Oakland Raider defense that's supposed to take place. Seeing things on paper is a lot different than actually Seen it on the field. Um, this game in Tennessee, and it's a, I got a strong feeling, a, a very strong feeling, that Oakland suffers their next, their second win against Tennessee. I like Tennessee in this game. You said Oakland suffers their second win. You meant loss, but okay. I mean, I'm sorry. Second loss, second loss against against Tennessee. So hey, they'll, they'll leave out they'll leave out of Tennessee with a, a two losses and one win. What can I tell okay, you? Okay, partner. Uh, after this pick, I I am not feeling it. Um, sick wise. So I'm gonna turn it over to you. You can either finish it or close it out if you can, because I'm really not feeling it. Um, and I got to go to the men's room. So San Fran okay. at Seattle, uh, I think San Fran had that one big win this season, and that was uh, week one. Seattle's in revenge mode, and uh, I think Chip Kelly, when he goes back up to Seattle, you know, he used to be an Oregon Duck. I think it's not going to be kind for him and Blake Bortles. I honestly believe 
You have a Colin Kaepernick sighting. Yeah, yeah, Blaine Gabbert. I believe you're going to have a Colin Kaepernick sighting in this game. I really do. Uh, With that being said, I'm picking Seattle. Christian Michael is going to get the bulk of all the carries because both backs with him are injured. Um, But he has to hold on to the ball, too. Uh, Jimmy Graham starting to come around, get a little love. Uh, Doug Baldwin, maybe, maybe. But uh, I'm picking Seattle in this, and that's my final pick for the night. Um, I've really got to (laughs) go. Sorry. Okay. Nope, no problem. Talk to you later. All, All right. right are you gonna close? You gonna close it out, or are you gonna keep going? Hold on. Um, Cause you gotta log in. Yeah, I know. While Jerry's doing that, I'll, I'll give you a little bit more feedback on uh, this game. The reason why I'm picking Seattle to dominate is because last week the Rams played better defense than Seattle. And even though they both play each other very tough, very tough, it's going to be hard uh, in my mind to see Seattle have another um, close game with a team they should not. I I, I don't know if uh, – if we're going to be able to uh, uh, stomach or if they're going to be able to stomach a close game with uh, with San Francisco. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It could be that uh, Seattle decides, you know what, we want to get up early 